Well, welcome again Inside Out. It's nice to see all you guys. So all summer long, here's what I do. All summer, I think and I pray and I listen and I read to what it is that God would kind of have me set a theme for for our year. And I think last week that word intentional came to mind, but also this idea of burn the ships. I really want to challenge you guys tonight to think about what's holding you back in your spiritual walk. But also there was a question on your small group sheet tonight that I want you guys to consider if you didn't get to it in your small group. It is, do you have any spiritual goals set for the school year this year? Or are you just going into school again, just going into school to go to school, to just get through it till the season's over with, till the year's over with? I want you guys to be so stinking intentional this year in your faith that you actually feel yourself go through growing pains. I want you to know what it feels like to have, I know athletes, you guys all know athletes when they outgrow their body, right? You take a guy like Jack who's really tall, there's a point in his life when he's gonna outgrow his body and he's actually gonna go through pains because of it. It's gonna hurt. And this year is going to hurt. If you go at this intentionally, I promise you, this year is gonna hurt. There's gonna be disappointments, there's gonna be excitement, there's gonna be discouragements, there's gonna be ups and downs, but you have to be intentional. And maybe you're not in school. Leaders, same thing with you and I in this room. What are you gonna do this year? Are you just gonna come in here and do the same thing you did last year? Show up on Wednesday night, have a great time, talk about God, read the Bibles to the students, answer some questions, build relationships with them? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But if we're not growing, we can't lead those that we're supposed to be following us. So we have to be as intentional as the students are, in my opinion. That's why this story struck me. I heard this story earlier this year, and I thought to myself, this idea of Cortez leaving Cuba and going to the Yucatan Peninsula to overthrow the Aztec armies and the people there that had been ruling in this nation for 600 years. People had tried for centuries to overthrow the Aztecs on the Yucatan Peninsula, but they couldn't do it. They could not conquer. They had treasures beyond measure on this island, but they couldn't, they could never be conquered. Well, Cortez leaves Cuba and he goes to the Yucatan Peninsula in the 1500s to take over and conquer the Aztecs and capture that treasure that is so valuable. You guys, I want you to catch that. Please listen to me. There is a treasure for you this year spiritually if you're willing to go fight and not look back and continue on being intentional about your faith, there is a treasure waiting for you at the end of this school year. And it's called growth. It's called being closer to God and walking with him. But here's the problem. They get to the Yucatan Peninsula and all of a sudden his men start freaking out from what history teaches and they want to make a run for it. And he's like, no. And he ends up doing this. And it's an amazing story if you get online and you can look at it on YouTube and you can find it in your history books as well. He gets all of his men on the beach, from what I understand. And then he tells them, all the ships, they were 600 men, I think, and I don't know, 16 or 11 or 16 ships, they, flew, they floated over from Cuba to the Yucatan Peninsula on. They get out, they get on the shore, and they're on the beach, and Cortez tells them, burn the ships. Because he, he found people in his group, in his army, that were faint of heart. And they didn't want to do this because they heard the stories. They watched the defeats. They watched people lose these battles over and over again trying to capture this treasure. And you guys are going to watch Christians who are going to be defeated and they're not going to get the treasure that we're talking about because they get faint at heart and they get weary and they want to go home and they want to go back to their old way of doing things. So Cortez tells them this. He says, burn the ships. 
He says, burn those ships. We're going to conquer this land, and then we're going to go home in their ships. Tonight, I want you to think about that. Are you willing to burn the ships in your life so there's no going back spiritually ever, no matter what? See, because I think stories like this matter to us, and it makes a difference. So I got to thinking about this summer when I heard this story. I thought, what in the Bible can I bring out to you guys to show you this is actually something that sort of took place in Scripture, a roundabout way? So tonight what I want to do is I'm going to start at least a two-week series on the prophet Elisha. Not Elijah, but Elisha. And we're going to go through this. And tonight's message is titled this, Don't Look Back. Don't Look Back. Cortez told him, burn the ships. We're going that way, no matter what. I am not going back to the way I used to be. All the things, these habits that we create, and you guys have already found them in school, I'll bet. You've already found these little habits that you had last year that you tried to get rid of through the summer and you're back at it again this year. Hanging out with the wrong friends, using the wrong language, whatever that is. I don't know what that is that you've went back to already in the school year or you're at least glancing back that direction maybe to some old habits that you've gotten into again. Don't do that, you guys. You've got to burn the ships and not go back. So what I want to do tonight, we're going to, like say, start a two-week series on Elisha in the Bible. And it's in the Old Testament. It's found in, this story is found in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. It's a very simple scripture. Only a couple verses that I'm going to cover tonight, okay? But again, don't look back. That's what I want you guys to hang on to while we talk about tonight. But I want to look at four lessons we learned from the call of Elisha. So if you turn to your bulletins in 1 Kings chapter 19, Verses 19 through 21, it says this. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of, son of Shapath. I want to stop there. Elijah and Elisha are hard to get your arms around, right? Actually, the Hebrew pronunciation for Elisha is Elisha. So in our English language, we say Elijah and we say Elijah and Elisha. Easy for me to say, right? So I want to look at these two prophets tonight. Elijah is one of the main prophets in the Bible. Huge prophet, uh, prophesied to the northern kingdom of Israel in the Bible. And he's found in about uh, first, first Kings chapter 17 is where we start hearing about Elijah. But it says Elijah went from there. Where's there? Here's what happens. Elijah was called by God. Elijah, not Elisha, we'll talk about him in a second. Elijah's called by God. He tells Ahab there's not gonna be rain for three and a half years. Then he comes back. There's a huge story with Elijah. But what happens is Elijah gets up on top of Mount Carmel. And that's where you see the 450 prophets of Baal and Elisha standing there. Elisha says, hey, we're gonna find out whose God is real today and whose isn't. So he gives the 450 prophets of Baal the opportunity to build an altar to Baal and call upon Baal to make it rain to do something from heaven. <clears throat> well, they spent all day long and it never worked. Elijah spends one simp says one simple prayer and that prayer changed everything. All of a sudden when he prayed one simple prayer, which I don't have time to get into tonight, Fire fell from heaven, consumed the whole offering, the altar, everything. Elijah comes down off the mountaintop and he's running like crazy, 18 to 25 miles, they figure. He's outrunning chariots. Comes back down in Jezreel and he's in that community there again and Ahab and all this is going on. Huge victory for Elijah. Then Elijah finds out that Jezebel is gonna kill him. King Ahab's wife Jezebel says, hey, since you killed my prophets, by this time tomorrow, guess what? You're gonna be dead. And here's the deal. Jezebel could have had it happen. 
But here's what Elijah did that is so important. Elijah was on the mountaintop with God, looked up, called down fire from heaven, consumed the altar. He called back into rain. It started to rain again like crazy. He's down back in Jezreel. And all of a sudden he does this. He takes his eyes off God and he puts them on his enemy. He takes his eyes from heaven and he puts them on the horizontal parts of life. And when he did that, he was scared to death of Jezebel and he made a run for it down south. Then he ends up in a cave and a raven takes care of him or an angel takes care of him, gives him food. And then God tells him to do this. He asks Elijah a very important question, which I think I really appreciate this question that God asked Elijah when he was hiding out in a cave all by himself, feeling whiny, feeling down, thinking the world had come to an end. He's, he's whining to God and God asks him, he said, why are you here? He asked Elijah, why are you here? Elijah starts whining, I'm the only one left. There's nobody left besides me. I'm the only Christian on the planet. Nobody else loves, that's Elijah whining, right? God tells him, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to quit your whining. God didn't say that, I said that. Go back north and I want you to anoint a couple of different people, Haziel and Jehu, and Elisha to replace you. So here's Elijah the prophet. As far as we know in scripture, Elisha's never been mentioned. Elijah leaves the cave by God's command and he goes back north and that's where he comes from when it says, <clears throat> so Elijah went from there, that's the cave, and he went and found Elisha is what he's doing. Now Elisha, it says here, back to the scripture, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up, from, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and I will come with you. Go back, Elijah said, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, and he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became a servant. You guys are picking up the theme of this burn the ships, right? Here's where Elijah, what Elijah does is he burns his plowing equipment. We're gonna talk about that in a second. But I want you guys to catch the rhythm of the call. I want us to look at four things that I believe you can find from the call of Elisha by Elijah when he comes up to him in the field. And I love this picture because it, Elijah, like I say, we had never heard of Elisha till this point when he pops up in scripture. So the very first thing is this. His call came from God. I want you guys to understand this is such a critical thing as being a Christian. His call came from God. The reason Elijah threw his cloak around Elisha was to show him that you're being called. I'm, God is now calling you. He's calling you into ministry. He's calling you to follow me, Elisha. And, he's, and that's Elijah. So Elijah throws his cloak on him and it's a sign of authority and a sign of calling is what that basically means. But here's the deal. Elijah didn't call Elisha. God did. God called Elisha through the prophet Elijah. And we see that. I want you guys to get this because this is very critical that I want you guys to understand. I believe most of you in this room probably are walking with the Lord and you know God. You've been saved by the blood of Jesus. You've been forgiven for your sin. <clears throat> but here's what I want you guys to understand. God calls us. This is what they call the doctrine of pervenient grace. Here's what pervenient grace is, okay? There's pervenient grace, there's saving, saving grace, and enabling grace. Pervenient grace is the grace that goes before. And here's where you see pervenient grace. It's in the Garden of Eden. Remember Adam and Eve were told not to eat the fruit? Adam and Eve ate the fruit? And then God shows up in the, in the garden and says he showed up in the cool of the day. And what were Adam and Eve doing? Covered themselves with fig leaves, hiding in the bushes. 
God walks into the garden and the first thing he does, as you see in scripture, it says, God called to Adam. And he said, Adam, where are you? And I'm always gonna beat this drum every time I get the opportunity to do this. I don't know, if you're, if you're struggling with the things of God, maybe God's coming here tonight and he's asking, where are you? He may be saying to you, where are you? I wanna spend time with you. What happened to our relationship? Where have you went? Why did you turn? What's going on in your life? But God called Adam. The scripture says this, God is wooing us constantly. He's basically calling to you. He's, he's, he's drawing you near to him that you might know him and begin a relationship with him. So when you see someone who is not walking with the Lord, provenient grace is the grace that goes before. That's the grace that says that calls a person near, then the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and then we get to know Jesus. You know why I say that? Because Jesus makes it very clear that no one comes to him except who is called by the Father, and the Father is calling all of us. So God, so here's what's so important. When you're in church or you're in youth group or you're doing whatever you're doing and all of a sudden you feel God tugging at your heart, don't blow him off. Don't say, I'll get to that later. I know it's God, but I'm busy right now and I've got this other person I wanna spend time with or I'm not really ready to go to youth group, whatever that is. When you feel God tugging at your heart, don't you dare blow him off. Because Isaiah makes it very clear that you seek the Lord while he is near. That's why we know that God called Elisha, not Elijah. So that's really important that you do that and you get that, you get that down. So, and you see that even with Peter, James, and John. What were they doing? They were fishing. And Jesus is walking along the shore and what did Jesus do? He called to them, didn't he? He said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. David, what was David doing when he was anointed? He was out in the, out in the field tending his sheep living his life, so just make sure that you know that. And here's the good news of all this. The good news is that God has a cloak for you, and that cloak is Jesus Christ. And how do we know that? It says in Romans 13, 14, rather Paul says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you clothed yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you made that decision to accept the cloak that God offers and that cloak being Jesus Christ that will wrap around you and then you're clothed with the righteousness of Christ? It's really important that we get this, you guys, especially going into the school year, you have to know that you've been saved by the blood of Jesus. You have to know that's happened to you. So have you responded to God's call yet? Have you, ex have you responded to the cloak that he comes up and he wants to lay upon you, which is Jesus Christ? To be clothed in Christ to be means to be saved by the blood of Jesus. That's all that really means, okay? So the first thing is he was called by God. The call came from God. The second thing you see is he had to accept the call to follow Elijah. I think this is such a critical thing because God's not gonna force you to follow him. You have to accept the call because it says here that yes, God called Elisha, but he had to respond to the call. You hear me? You have to respond to God when he speaks to your heart. You can't just be neutral. There's gotta be some sort of response in your life. Here's what Elisha did with Elijah. He ran after Elijah. Elijah comes up, throws his cloak on Elisha, and I can just see the picture, can't you? Here's, here's Elisha, he's in the field plowing, he's got his hands on the plow and his feet in the dirt, and he's plowing along with his 12 yoke oxen, and all of a sudden here comes one of the most famous prophets ever to be known in the scripture, Elijah, and he just comes up and he throws his cloak on him, says so throws his mantle on him, it's kind of a covering. That covering was used for all sorts of different things, but it represented, follow me, authority, all the different things that come with it. So Elisha's like, oh my gosh, 
So can you see him shaking the dirt off his feet, letting go of the plow, and he runs after Elijah. Are you running after the one you're to follow? Or are you just sort of lollygagging behind the Lord? It's up to you guys. God's not gonna make you run after him. Do you have a heart to run after the Lord this school year? Because the example that we get from Elisha is he ran after Elijah when he was called to follow him, and that's exactly what he was doing. And you see the same thing again. Peter, James, and John, they were in the boat. They were fishermen, right? And you guys have heard me talk about this before, and I'll say it again. They're in the boat, and they're doing all they're doing, and Peter and Andrew in one boat, James and John are in the other, and Jesus says, come along. He says, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. What's the Bible say in Matthew 4, 4, 4, 19? It says they immediately dropped their nets and followed him. Immediately dropped their nets and followed him. This is what you see Elisha doing. He immediately lets go of the plow and he runs after Elijah, the one that he's been called by to follow. Jesus says it this way, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. They listen to me and they follow me. Are you doing that this year? But I want you to have, a, I hope you guys catch this idea of him running after Elijah. Because see, I don't think this is about Elijah and, Elijah and Elisha. I think this is about you and Jesus. I think this example that Elisha shows with Elijah being his master and following him now is exactly what we should be doing with Jesus. Are you willing or do you have a desire to run after Christ this year? There's another part of this story that I think is very critical to get, and this is where I'm gonna challenge our, our leaders here in just a second. This story is also about Elisha and Elijah in mentorship. Elijah becomes Elisha's mentor spiritually. You understand? Leaders, do me a favor and stand up. I know there's not, the room's not that full, but I want you to stand up for just a second because I want to challenge you guys with something. I want you students to look at these people that come into this room every Wednesday night this year. And they come because they love you, but they come because God threw a cloak on them. God come up and he threw a cloak on each leader that you see in this room. And he says, here's what I want you to do. And each leader in this room that you see standing here and the ones that aren't here tonight, they answered the call. And they're here. That's why they're here. Elisha now made a choice, and I want you guys to think about this here. These guys, they love you, but they're not here for fun. They're here to help you spiritually. They're here to lead you spiritually. They're here to guide you spiritually. But here's the deal. They're not gonna make you follow them. That's not why they're here. They're not gonna make you follow them, but they're gonna offer themselves to you each and every Wednesday night, and even during the week, they'll offer themselves to you. My challenge to you guys this year is I want you to be like Elisha and follow the leader. Follow Elijah. Do you understand? Let them mentor you. Let them guide you. Let them lead you spiritually. Build deeper relationships with them because they're not here for fun. They're here because they love God and they love you, but watch this, leaders. You ready? Do you really want them following you? Because if you do, you better be like Elijah and you better be following the Lord's leading. Because the only reason why Elijah went to Elisha was because God told him to. So leaders in the room, I want you guys to realize this year, this is not something we can toy with, you guys, including myself. We have to take this very serious because if these students say, I'm willing to, and that's what you see with Elisha, 
then we better be willing to outrun them. Does that make sense? And stay out in front of them. Go ahead and have a seat. So I hope you guys get that idea of mentorship this year and you build a relationship with your small group leaders and you allow them to mentor you spiritually and lead you. The other thing you see in this is number three, the call to follow God requires sacrifice. And I think this is such an important part of this. Elisha asked for permission from Elijah. Remember, so Elijah comes up, throws a cloak on him. He takes off walking. Elisha runs after him and says, hey, can I go back and can I kiss my father and mother? I like this. I think this is a sign of respect. Elisha asked permission to go back and say goodbye to his parents. But I think he also went back to tell them, I'm gonna be gone for a while. I don't plan on coming back anymore. Make sense? You gotta know that this signifies, this idea of going back signifies that he is not coming back anytime soon. Just think about it. See, here's what you gotta realize about Elisha too is that he is a very, according to scripture, he would have been a very wealthy man. To have 12 yoke of oxen, he's like loaded and his family is loaded and this could have been his mom and dad's oxen, his father's oxen, but guess what? He would have inherited this when his mom and dad died. When his dad died, he would have inherited all this. So Elisha's not just leaving a job being a farmer out in the field. He is a very wealthy individual who has chosen to leave everything behind to follow Elijah and basically follow God. So when you see Elisha with his hand on a plow and his, his feet in the dirt and he turns and runs after him, he's leaving behind a wealth that most people aren't willing to leave behind. Jesus had the rich young ruler come up. He says, hey, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus says, go sell everything and give it to the poor. And he says, that guy walked away very sad that day because he wasn't willing to do what Elisha was willing to do. That idea of not coming back soon, that's what that signifies when he goes back to his parents. But there's something else that I want you guys to turn back to your scripture real quick on that other page. It says, then, he says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will come with you. Our will is something we need to surrender to follow God. I like how he says, I will come after you. I will come with you. Will you follow the Lord this year? Will you offer your will to Jesus and say, my will is your will. I, wa- I will follow you. I will run after you. I will walk close to you this year. I am willing to burn the ships and leave everything behind me to follow you. That's a question you guys have got to ask yourselves. That's being intentional, I believe. So you see him doing that. Elijah, Elijah just didn't say he was going to follow Elijah. Elisha didn't just say, hey, I'll follow you. Think about your walk with Christ for a second. How many times in your young lives have you said, I'm going to follow Jesus, but there's been absolutely nothing in your life that would demonstrate a commitment to that decision. See, Elisha did this. Elisha went back and kissed his mother and father goodbye. But then he took the oxen, slaughtered the oxen, it says, and took the plow equipment that he had, that he was making a living with. He sacrificed everything that was worth anything to him to follow Elijah. In other words, this intent that you see with Elisha, he he has no intention of going back to his old life. He didn't just say, I will follow you. He demonstrated that he would follow him by taking his oxen, slaughtering them, and taking the plow equipment, the, the yokes that would have been made out of wood, and building a fire and roasting the oxen. That's a demonstration that I'm in. I know you guys are young, and I know a lot of you in this room have made that confession. I'm going to follow God. 
I'm following Jesus this year. I'm not doing this any different. I'm not going back. And you turn right around and do the same thing you've been doing, don't you? Because you're going back to the ships. You're like those guys on the island when Cortez is challenging them and they're getting faint of heart and they're getting weak need and they turn around and they go back because following Christ is not easy. If it was, we wouldn't need God to do it. If following Jesus was an easy process, we wouldn't need the Lord's grace to do it, would we? We need his grace, we need his mercy, we need his leading, we need to follow the Lord. So he didn't just say it, he demonstrated it by the act that he did when he burned his farming equipment. He had no intention of going back, but here's what I want you guys to get. This is such a powerful thing that a lot of people miss in this. It was a celebration that Elisha was offering the community. See, Elisha went back and he kissed his mom and dad, he says, guess what happened? Elijah! And they're like, yeah, right, whatever, Elijah. No, Elijah threw his cloak on me, and I'm going to have to follow him now. So I come back to kiss you, tell you goodbye, tell you I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. I'm never going to be the same again, and I'm not coming home. From now on, I'm going God's way, and that's the direction I'm going to go, and I'm not coming back. And then he takes his oxen, and he kills them, builds a fire, and it says he cooks the meat, and then lets everybody eat. It was a celebration of what had happened in his life. Do you realize we should celebrate the call? We should celebrate our salvation? We should tell everybody on the planet we've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm no longer, I'm no longer dead. I've been brought from death to life. I'm a new creation in Christ. But we don't celebrate that, do we? We don't celebrate that with our families. I want you guys to go home and tell your moms and dad, Mom, Dad, I've been saved by the blood of Jesus. I'm not going back to my old way. I'm gonna walk with God from now on. Tell them, celebrate your salvation. Here's what I know. I believe I'm right in this. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. The reason we hesitate to to scream it from the mountaintops that I've been saved by the blood of Jesus, I've been rescued from sin, I've been brought from death to life, I have eternal life before me, is because we're like, well, I probably would, but at school, at youth group, I'm different than I am at school. And at school, I'm sort of still behaving like the old Dan, if I will, and I'm not really comfortable saying I've been saved by the blood of Jesus because even if I have, I'm not really acting like it. I say I'm following Jesus, but my demonstrating my, the way my life demonstrates it out, it really doesn't look like that. I think that's when we don't celebrate. I think that's when we are quiet about our faith. I'm not telling you to change your personality. Some of you got outgoing personalities. Some of you are very quiet. Celebrate. Let the light shine that you've been saved by the blood of Jesus this year. And because if you will act like it, if you'll burn the ships and not go back, I promise you, you'll be more willing to celebrate within the community at high school than you've ever been before if you'll just live like a Christian. The fourth thing is this, and I'll wrap it up here in just a minute. The call of God always leads to a life of serving. Because it says in that scripture, it says at the end of that, then he set out to follow Elijah and became a servant. The call of God on your life will always lead to serving others. And you gotta get that. Jesus made that very clear in your bulletin. I got it, so you guys have got that. You gotta be willing to serve. Are you willing this year to be a servant? I don't want you guys to leave here not know what to do. I want you to be willing to serve others like Christ served others. And that begins, ah, listen to me, I just, I'm absolutely convinced if you're not gonna do this at home, you can't do it at school, and you won't do it on your athletic teams. If you're not willing to serve your families at home, sacrificially as Jesus served, you're never gonna do it out there in the community consistently. 
I am absolutely convinced being a Christian begins at home. And if you're not doing it at home and you're having fights with your family and your siblings and you're not getting along and you're not serving your mom and dad by being good and doing chores and helping out whatever that looks like at home, you're not gonna do it consistently out in public. I just, I'm convinced of that, you guys. I've seen it too many times in my own life and in others' lives as well. So I wanna ask you, are you willing to serve this year like Jesus served, which is sacrificially? Because Jesus says in Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And watch this, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. Gentlemen, look at me. I want you to be able to, when you're married someday, to sacrificially give your life to your spouse. When you get married, I want you to be able to give your life to her sacrificially. Because the Bible says we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And that's sacrificially where you lay down your life for her. Can I tell you something? If you don't start doing that now in your life, it's going to be a really hard habit for you guys to pick up when you're married someday. Start now. Start now serving sacrificially. Ladies, it's the same thing for you at home. Start now to serve sacrificially at home. Be kind, be generous. Here's an idea. You ready? Do what your moms and dad tell you to do when they tell you to do it. Not when you feel like it. And you know what? You won't be in near as much trouble there, fellas. I mean, I'm talking more to the boys than I'm the girls probably on that one. When they say, hey, would you? You say, absolutely. Why? Because it's the most important thing you can do by serving sacrificially. Elijah decided to serve, Elisha decided to serve Elijah. I want to know if you're willing to, if you've decided to serve Christ. He is our master. He's the one we're supposed to be following, and I want to know if you've decided to serve him. So tonight I want to close with this. We're going to, we're going to listen to a video for a couple minutes, and then we're going to watch the video at the end of it, because I want to ask you guys a question tonight. Are you willing to burn the ships? Are you willing to start this school year burning the ships that you've always went back to? What is it that keeps dragging you back out of the spiritual walk that you desire in your life and you keep going back to the ships? I want you tonight, I want you tonight as I play this video and then we'll watch it at the end, I want you to listen to the words. It's, it's Burn the Ships by King and Country. You guys know this song. For King and Country, it's a great song. And it revolves around when his wife was addicted to drugs and she took that bottle, which most of you know that story, and poured that bottle of pills down the drain because she burned the ships that night. I want you guys, this school year, I want you to be willing tonight to ask God this. What, what is in, what's behind me that I keep wanting to go back to? A relationship, uh, a habit, a behavior. What, I don't know what that is, you guys. And maybe there's nothing tonight. Maybe you don't need to burn ships. Maybe you're the one person in the room that doesn't need to worry about doing this. I don't think that person exists yet in this room. I want you guys tonight, while I play this song, to ask God, Lord, what do I need to burn behind me that I don't have any options anymore? It is all about you and I'm not ever going back. What is that? What is it that keeps you from being all in and to, to cause you to never look back? Don't look back anymore. Keep your eyes fixed forward. Be willing to have the courage to step off onto that island and go seek the treasure that God's got for you. But you can't keep going back to the ship if you're gonna do that. Listen to the song, the video will come up at the end, and then I'll come up and I'll close in prayer. Corey, if you would, please. So what is it? What won't you walk away from to be all in for God? To run after the Lord this school year? 
to be intentional about your faith, to set goals so that you can move forward in your faith. I don't wanna see you guys get stale. I want you to be willing to burn the ships behind you. And I really believe that's what God wanted me to, lay, to share with you guys. That's what he laid upon my heart with Elijah, or with Elisha, is that Elisha burned everything. He had absolutely no intent of going back to the old life. He burned it all, and he turned, and he ran after Elijah. He, he, he chose to follow him, and he became a servant in the process. If you guys want to know what your school year would look like this year, I pray that over each one of you this year that you make that commitment. So whatever it is that keeps you going back, whatever it is that keeps you looking back the other direction, stop. Stand on the shore, be willing to look out there, burn those ships, and you walk forward and step into a new day exactly like they said in that song. That's what I pray your, your school year looks like this year as you intentionally walk spiritually through the school year. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good, and I'm grateful, Lord, that you've laid this upon my heart. There's so much in this for adults and students alike. So I pray, Lord, as we prayed earlier, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just minister to our hearts about the things that you've laid before us tonight through your word. And give us a desire, Lord, a burning desire to leave all behind us, to burn the plows, to burn the ships, whatever that is, so that we have absolutely no intention of going back to our old ways of life, Lord. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith, to run after Christ this year, to be intentional about our faith, and to grow and seek that treasure that you have for us on this side of heaven of having a full life in Christ. For it's in his name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you are dismissed. Have a great night, everybody.